Good morning. It is great to be here. It's great that it's not raining. I got a little worried uh, this week. I thought I saw some animals lining up two by two. Um, my wife and I had an interesting experience in the rain. Uh, Wednesday at the, the peak of all of the rain is when my wife started having some pretty major contractions. And because this is our fourth child, I know many of you are thinking, that guy looks too old to be a dad again. Um, I'm not offended by that. I think that, my, I think that myself. I'm like, what are we doing? I'm 42, having another baby. But uh, in the middle of all that rain, my wife says, I think this is it. Uh, even though we still have another five weeks, uh, we rushed to the hospital and, and drove through some major water uh, to get there. That ocean song makes me laugh. Um, <laughs> there were times where we drove through water so deep that it covered the headlights of our car. And... Uh, I just kept driving, hoping that, that we could go, and it was quite an adventure, and as you can see, my wife is still here and still pregnant, so it was a false alarm, and uh, our son Owen will have another, uh, who knows how long, to, to keep growing and, uh, before he's born, but we're, we're excited about that, and, but I'm excited to be here, I'm glad it's not raining, and uh, our house actually started leaking and flooding, so it's good to be here, so... Have you ever been in a position where you felt like you had zero control and no ability to change your circumstances and no way to get out of that situation from what you could see? Well, many of you have heard about my trip to Russia uh, a couple months ago. I thank you very much for, I know as a church you guys prayed for me, uh, and that really helped my heart a lot, uh, knowing that you guys were praying for me. Uh, Today I'll tell you a little bit about my trip to St. Petersburg. It was definitely an adventure. Um, it was a time where I felt helpless. I lacked the ability to control my situation. I felt very confused about what was going on. Uh, I was really excited to go to St. Petersburg. When I was in college, I had gone to the former Soviet Union and I had a very life-transforming experience. Uh, and so after I came back from the former Soviet Union in college, I decided to take two, two semesters of Russian. And unfortunately for me, after 15 years of Chinese, I really don't remember much of that Russian. I, I could say probably about five words. I could say, hello, thank you, good, please, and excuse me. Which actually, you'd be surprised how far you can get in, a, in, a, in another culture, in another language with just those words. Um, also, for some reason, I could say dog and library and United States of America, but those didn't really help me out that much when I was, when I was in Russia. But St. Petersburg is a very beautiful city. It's very culturally rich. Uh, I even booked my plane ticket a day early before my conference so that I could have a whole day to go tour and, and see lots of beautiful things. A contact uh, of mine, a friend, well, he wasn't a friend, I never met him before, uh, but his name was also Eric. He picked me up at the airport, and he took me to my hotel and got me checked in, and then he took out a map and he showed me, okay, Eric, here's the places you can go, here's the trolley you need to take, here's the trolley number, um, and so I was really excited. I was excited to go out and adventure on my own. I was sure I was going to get lost, uh, but I expected that, I expected uh, to have lots of fun. I expected to experience uh, some amazing things. 
But what I didn't expect was to be rushed to the emergency room. Uh, I had been walking around the city center for about an hour, and I started to experience some very intense abdominal pain. Uh, I tried to push through it because I was enjoying the city so much, but it just got so intense and overwhelming that I felt like I was going to black out. So I decided that I'd better walk back to the trolley. And it was a long walk. There were times where I had to stop and actually physically lay down on the sidewalk. And people are looking at me like, what is he doing? Until I was able to get enough energy and, and deal with the pain to keep walking. And then, of course, I hop on the trolley, and the trolley is stop and go motion. And that was just killing me as well. And, but thankfully, somehow, I made it back to my hotel room. And very naively, I thought, I just need to lay down. I'll be fine. I never get sick. I never have problems. Um, so I called my wife just to let her know. And uh, of course, she didn't assess the situation the same as me. She kept saying, you need to go to the doctor. And I kept saying, ah, I'm fine. And, but within the span of that five-minute phone call, I realized I, I really do need to get to the doctor. And, and so thankfully, my friend Eric was close to the hotel. And he came and got me. But after a very long and painful car ride, we arrived at the hospital. And by that time, I was like, I'd never experienced pain like that. I was groaning loudly. I was in such pain, I couldn't sit down. Standing hurt. Uh, the only thing that could help was laying down. Um, I was a very active child, so I broke lots of bones. I broke my nose, I broke my elbow, I broke my wrist, I've broken ankles. None of that compared to the level of pain that this abdominal pain was. And, uh, so the next thing I know, I'm lying on a hospital gurney because I kept saying, I need to lie down, I need to lie down. But the only hospital gurney, I, I found out later the reason why it was so small was because the only one they had was for a kid. And, and I'm not kid size. And, and so I'm lying on this hospital gurney and... Uh, all these different people keep coming in and they're poking me and they're, they're prodding me and they're asking me if it hurts and I don't know what they're saying because everything's in Russian and my friend Eric's there and, and he's translating for me and I have no clothes and, and I'm completely helpless. And with a very panicked look on his face, Eric looked at me and said, they need to do exploratory surgery to see what's going on. So they're going to cut you right down the middle about five inches, just to see what they need to do. And at that point, I was forced with a decision. And my decision was, would I trust? Now, to be honest, I don't know much about Russian hospitals. I, I think I've seen a lot of, I don't know, 80s movies about the Soviet Union, and I knew enough that it's probably not the best quality of care. I didn't know anything about these doctors. They only spoke Russian. Uh, but what I realized was a peace came over me because I wasn't putting my trust in these doctors' hands. I was putting my trust in the hands of my God, the Lord and the creator of the whole universe. You know, the father wasn't surprised that I was in Russia. He wasn't surprised that I would need emergency surgery. I vividly remember lying there, agonizing in pain and saying, okay, Lord, you have me here. You're in control. I will trust in you. Now, I want to clarify that I knew by trusting in him, that didn't mean that I was going to survive the surgery. It didn't mean that I would have the outcome that I desired. Perhaps his will for me was not to survive. 
but my heart was genuinely dependent on him and abiding in him regardless of the outcome. I don't remember much else. I remember them wheeling me into the surgery, uh, all the bright lights and everything. I'm still laying there helpless. Nobody speaks English. Uh, still no clothes. And they, I don't even remember them giving me any medicine. Like, you know in the movies, they, they tell you to count back from 100 by sevens or whatever it is. I, I was laying there, and next thing I know, I, I think I blacked out just from the sheer pain because I don't even remember them injecting me. And the next thing I remember is waking up in a hospital bed. And uh, I had no idea what time it was. In St. Petersburg, this time of year, the, they call it the White Nights because the sun rises at 2.30 in the morning. And so I'm laying there. I have no idea what time it is. It's bright out, but it could be any time. And, and, I, and I look down, and I have, uh, I have a tube going in one, one nostril that's air, but another tube coming out, which I'm not sure what it was. I think they were pumping my stomach, but it had some sort of gross-looking brown stuff coming out. Um, I had... I had an IV in both arms, I had a catheter, I had a central line, sorry for the translation, I don't know how to say any of this far, far, sorry. Uh, uh, I had a, what they call a central line, which is like an IV in your chest, but this one was actually, instead of taped to my body, they had actually stitched it to my skin to hold it in place, and I had this blood pressure cuff, I had all these different things. Um, and it was, I, I didn't know what to expect, but I, I looked at that and I'm like, what just happened to me? Did I go into cardiac arrest during the surgery or is, is this normal? And, and it, so I laid there basically for 10 hours uh, not knowing what happened. Uh, nurses would come and go and they would give me injections, uh, check my blood pressure, but I couldn't communicate with them because they only spoke Russian. And so they would... They'd give me an injection of who knows what, but I would just smile and I would say, spasiva, which is thank you. And they would smile at me and leave and they'd come back later and have to do that all over again. And, and so I laid there for 10 hours, no television, no, no anything, thinking about the things that I trust in other than God and how in many ways God had taken them all away. So what do you, my question today is, what do you put your trust in? You know, often I heard the illustration of a chair uh, to demonstrate faith. You know, we put faith in things every day. When we get on an airplane, we put faith in the pilot, we put faith in the airline company. When we sit on a chair, we put faith in the chair that when we sit down, it's going to hold us. And I like that illustration because I think it does demonstrate faith, but I also don't like him. And here's why. I'll let you in on a little secret. I'm a large man, and I've lived in China for many, many years, and I've traveled all throughout China, and there's been many times where I've had been forced to sit on some pretty unstable chairs or stools, and I've never broken one, but I've learned to hold some of my weight back as I sit down, or even I'll sit in such a way that most of my weight is more towards the front of my legs than actually on the chair itself, because I'm afraid that this stool would break. And it's definitely not how my kids choose to sit on my lap. I don't know if you have young kids, but my kids will run from the other side of the room unabandonedly, or whatever the word is, and launch themselves 
wholeheartedly and completely into my lap. And sometimes it's rather painful for me as they land on me, especially as they've gotten older, but I love it. I love that they feel safe with me and that they can jump into my, my arms. They're not holding back at all. But as I was lying there in Russia, I realized that I want to have faith like a child. I, I want to run and jump wholeheartedly into God's lap, as Rick was sharing earlier about how he can hold us. But often I'm putting my faith in the Lord. I really do think I'm trusting in Him. Years ago, I trusted God for my, my occupation. I trusted God for my spouse. I trusted God for our kids. I trusted God with my finances. But I feel like throughout the course of my life, as I walk with Him, He reveals more and more of, of things that I trust in that are other than Him. He reveals more and more how I am putting 80% of my weight on the chair, but what is that 20% that I'm holding back? What are the things that I trust in other than Him? So I wanted to share a few things really quick with you. Uh, the first is I put a lot of trust in myself. I generally make smart decisions. If I have all the information, then I'm able to say, okay, well, this is what we need to do. Uh, I, I usually can figure it out. But in Russia, I had no idea what was going on. I had the language barrier, the doctors, everything. I just, I didn't know what was going on. I couldn't even make a, a decision. They didn't even actually consult me. They just took me away and started carving on me. I, I, I didn't have an opportunity to, to, to have information and, and take the next appropriate steps. So I put a lot of trust in myself. I think this comes from years of believing I, you guys have probably heard this saying, if I want something done right, I need to do it myself. I think that belief came uh, from years of trusting others only to have others fail me. Therefore, I put up this self-protective, self-dependent barrier. That way I won't be hurt when other, other people fail me. If I want something done right, I need to do it myself is, is simply not true. There's lots of people that can do things better than me. But to believe that, that uh, to believe that I need to do it myself is just a way to keep myself safe, or so I believed. Um, but, it, but, it, but what it does is it distances me from other people. And even more, I think I do that with, with God. Oh, I don't need to bother you, God. I'll, I'll, I'll do it myself. But it distances me from God. It prevents me from trusting in Him. So I realized in Russia that I still need and desire control. I think it's something I'm going to be learning my whole life, is that I, that I need and desire control, and I need to trust Him. What I need to do is let God be God and, and not me. The second thing I think I found in Russia was I trust in my ability to communicate and to woo others. And that was taken from me. As you, as you can probably guess, I, since I couldn't speak the language, there was nothing I could communicate. I couldn't win the doctors over. I couldn't win the nurses over. Um, I couldn't find favor in their eyes to get them to do what I wanted. I couldn't develop, as they talk about here in China, guanxi. I couldn't, I couldn't have my guanxi with them so that they, would, that they would help me. The third thing is I put a lot of trust in my family and my friends. I could go through a lot of hardship if JJ's with me. But there I was alone, 
I was still on the surgical ward, so even my new friend Eric, who I developed some guanchi with during the taxi ride, he couldn't even come in and help me because, uh, so I was alone. I was lying there and I, and I thought, oh, I wish JJ was here, I wish my friends were here, I wish I had a, a translator. The other thing I thought I wished, I wish I had my cell phone. Because if I had my cell phone, then I could call people. If I had my cell phone, I could play games. If I had my cell phone, uh, I could use Google Translate and then be able to communicate to the, to the nurses. Um, I see many of you guys stunned. He didn't have his cell phone? How did he do that? I think in, for many of us, our, our cell phones have become our security blankets. My kids each have a, a blanket and a stuffed animal we call their specials. And whenever we go on trips, that's what they get to bring. Whenever they go to bed, they have to have their blanket and their stuffed animal, their special. And I really think my special is my cell phone. It's somewhere I never want to go without. And I put a lot of trust in technology, whether it's Google Translate or whether it's my computer or my cell phone. And in many ways, I've realized I've become dependent or enslaved to them. So what do you put your trust in? There I was, lying in the Russian hospital, and I was completely at a loss. Nothing to give, only to receive, only to trust in him. I once heard it said, you'll never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. Now, I knew I had medical insurance, I knew I had people all around the world praying for me, but laying there in Russia in the hospital bed, it's truly how I felt because a lot of these things that, that I use to trust in other than him, he had stripped away. So today I wanted to share with you some observations I have about trust. But first I want to finish the story about Russia because I know a lot of you guys are going to come up and, and talk to me and ask me questions. Well, well what happened? So after lying there for about 10 hours, uh, a doctor who could speak moderate English came in, and he told me that he's the head surgeon, and that they had gone in and they'd noticed that about seven centimeters of my intestine had become strangulated, cut off, and, and was dying. And so they needed to go back in that night and have a second surgery where they were going to probably have to cut out a section of it. And... Uh, then he handed me a note from my friend Eric, who was waiting two floors down, and he gave me my cell phone. And so I was excited with a cell phone, but I couldn't call my friend Eric. It wouldn't work for some reason. But I could call my wife in China, and my wife in China could call Eric, who was two floors below me at the hospital. So it didn't make sense, but Eric talked to the doctors in Russian, and then would tell my wife, JJ, what was going on, and my wife, JJ, would call me and tell me what, what exactly was happening as well. And to be honest, it's still not clear. Uh, all I know is I had the second surgery. They removed part of my intestines. Uh, it's been kind of a long recovery, but I'm great, grateful to be here. Um, after, after the second surgery, I spent four more days in the hospital. Still no interaction with people who spoke English. Still lots of spasiba, thank you, uh, as they would come and give me shots and things. Uh, then I got out of the hospital and I wasn't fit to fly, uh, so I had to spend five days on uh, a friend, 
a friend's pull-out couch uh, while I was recuperating enough to fly back to, to China. So it's definitely not an ordeal that I would want to go through again, but I do feel like it taught me a lot about trusting in God. It revealed some areas in my life where I was still holding back, that I wasn't sitting completely on the chair. So here's a few things that I learned. The first is the amount of my trust isn't as important as that which I put my trust in. So let me explain that to you. An illustration I once heard, there's a man standing on a dock uh, in front of a frozen lake, but the lake only has about this much ice on it. But the man believes with his whole heart, when I jump, this ice is going to hold me. And so then he jumps, and of course, what happens? He goes right through the ice. The next day, that same man is standing at a different lake, and for some reason, he feels compelled to jump again. But he doesn't think, ah, you know, yesterday, I fell through the ice. This ice isn't going to hold me. But this time, the ice is three feet thick. And so when he jumps, of course, the ice holds him. And so I think it's more important what we put our trust in than how much trust we have. Because I think trust, trust is like faith, and they say faith is like a muscle. The more we exercise it, the more we work, work it out, the bigger it gets. And so wherever we're at, if we're struggling to trust him, what little amount of trust that we can give him brings him glory. What little amount of trust we give him will help us trust him with greater and greater things as we continue through the journey of walking with him. So it's not based on how much we have, but what we put our trust in. You know, I, I love my wife, JJ. She's amazing. Like, even, even for things, people ask me, who, who, do you know somebody that could do this? And my answer for everything always is, my wife can do it. She can do anything. Um, so if JJ came to Russia and walked into the operating room, I would be excited to have her there and hold my hand. If JJ decides to start scrubbing in and putting on plastic gloves and, and an apron and everything because she's going to be the one to do the surgery, that, that's where I draw the line. I, I love her, but I do not want her to be doing surgery on me. And I think that's, it's not what we put our trust in, or it's not how much trust we have, but it's what we put our trust in. Let me, let me give you another example. Um, often I feel like I put my trust in the outcome of the situation and not in God. Like I said earlier, we didn't know whether, we would, uh, whether I would survive or not, um, but I needed to trust in him regardless of the, the outcome. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they're about to be thrown into the fire, they say to the, to the king, our God can deliver us. But if he doesn't, we, would, we still will never bow down to any other idol. And so they knew that, they don't know that maybe God will deliver them, maybe he won't. But they truly believe that God is good. Today we sang a lot of songs about, uh, how do you say it in English? God, how great is our God? Um, his love never fails. As we think about what we're putting our trust in, we need to remind ourselves of who God is. He's the three feet thick ice. Actually, he, he's frozen all the way through the lake, and we can trust in him. Uh, 
My wife recently found, came across this poem, and at the beginning of the poem, it's talking about how we're going to go through life, how, like the next year. And it, and it goes like this, give me light that I may tread safely into the unknown. This is a person asking another person. And the other person says, and he replied, go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. In many ways, it's like that ocean song that we sang this morning. You call me out into the waters, the great unknown, where feet may fail. And there I find you in the mystery, in oceans deep, my faith will stand. Even the verse we read this morning, Psalm 20, 6 and 7 says, Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. So it's what we put our trust in, and we put our trust in God, and we can be secure in that, knowing that, that he has our back, that he will be with us, and that he loves us, and that he's good. The second thing is trust is an act of humility. It's letting go of control. I remember when I was in college, uh, people used to all, there was this, I mean, this probably dates me, but back in the early 90s, they, people would wear these t-shirts that said, let go, let God. And it's a cute, pithy saying, but to actually live that out is really hard at times. How do I let go of my finances and let God lead those? How do I trust God with, with my wife and, and my kids? How do I trust God with my job or relationships? What about my financial goals or my work, my work goals? I have a lot of ideas of what I want, but not my will, but thy will be done. How do I let go and let God for real? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. To me, it's the, it's the concept that we talk a lot about, yielding, abiding, giving over more and more of who we are to God. It's something that, that I know I need to do. It's something that I feel like at times God brings me to a point, like Russia, to help me realize, Eric, you still have work to do. It's kind of like what Mark was sharing last week about how we all have to have these revivals or uh, epiphanies that, that happen and along our walk with God. And for me, I think in Russia that really happened is that I realized, you know what, I truly do want to trust in Him. I don't want to trust in my own efforts and in my own self. I want to yield to Him. Another thing I learned about trust is trusting in the Lord brings Him pleasure. I love when my kids trust me. I love when I say, hey, come here guys, we're going to go over here and when they were really young, they were like, yes, sir, and I love that. Now they're a little older, often they're like, yes, sir, sometimes, not, not often, but sometimes they're like, why? Hey, we're going to go do this, why? And, and it's frustrating, and I think, I think I often do that with God. God's like, hey, Eric, we're going over here, why? And that's not what I want as a parent. I want to be able to trust. I want to be able to uh, give myself completely to Him. 
Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists, and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. There's times where I feel like I can do the Christian thing without faith. I can, I can even get up here and talk on my own skill, but it's not going to connect you to the Lord, and it's not going to be Him working in and through me. So I want to be dependent on Him. I, want, I don't want to be de- dependent on myself. There's times where I feel like I can do the right thing, but I'm doing it for the wrong reason. I'm doing it for my own selfish reasons or the reasons in which I put, put on my own heart and not because I'm truly trusting in Him. So I want to live by faith. I want to be able to please God with what I do. And I want Him to draw me near because I truly do believe that He exists and He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. So I want to seek Him. Psalm 147.11 says, He takes pleasure in those who honor Him and those who trust in His constant love. So I want to sit completely on the chair. I don't want to, I don't want to hover, but I want to sit down completely. And I think it's important for us to do that too. And so what I wanted to ask today is, what do you put your trust in? Is there anything that you're doing that you're holding back? One of my favorite illustrations, and I think I've, I've shared it before on stage, but in India, they like to eat monkey brains. And one of the interesting things about monkey brains is they have to catch the monkey. Brains have to be really fresh, apparently, if you're going to eat them. And uh, so they can't go out and shoot the monkeys and then bring them to, to the market. They have to catch them live. And the way that they catch the monkeys live is they take a box, and at the bottom of the box, they put a little slit, and inside the box, they put some candy. And so the monkey will reach its hand into the box and grab the piece of candy. But the problem is, is that it can't get its hand out of the box unless it lets go of the candy. But the monkey is not smart enough to realize that it needs to let go of the candy, and it'll stay there all the way up until they come up and grab the monkey. And so that's how they get the monkeys. It's pretty sad, isn't it? But I feel like in my life, there's times I'm still holding on to that candy. I'm, I'm still trusting in myself. But what I need to do is let go and trust in God. And that's how I'm able to experience Him more and more. And that's what I want. I want to be able to jump, like my kids do, completely and fully into His arms and not put the weight on my own, my own feet. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for uh, how you moved in Russia, not just for allowing me to to get through the surgery, but the ways in which you spoke to me in the midst of that uh, trying time. Thank you for how we can trust in you. And Lord, I don't know what uh, people are thinking right now. But Lord, I pray that right now you'd be revealing in their hearts ways in which they trust in other things other than him. What are the chariots or horses that the Bible verse talks about? But Lord, we do want to trust in the name of our Lord, our God. So Father, would you just reveal that to them right now? Um, Help them to hand that over to you, Lord. Father, we want to trust in you with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding. But in all our ways, we acknowledge you 
And Lord, would you make our path straight? Father, thank you for today. Would you help us to walk with you? It's your name I pray. Amen.